Welcome to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. You know, in this day and hour that we live in, this season that we're in, sometimes it feels a little bit like a cave. Sometimes it feels like we're on the run. We have days where we have brief moments of uncertainty and insecurity, and at times we feel like we're all by ourselves. But when you have a relationship and you know that he's God, you can make the same declaration, my heart, oh God, is steadfast. Those who have a steadfast heart are the ones who have already settled the matter. It's not a decision that's made on Sunday that gets disregarded on Monday. But it's day in, day out, every day. God only. Jesus is everything. He's the King of kings. everything that God's doing. You know it's okay to be excited for what God is doing even in the midst of just we don't know what's quite happening but we still know that he works all things together for the good. He works all things, the good, the bad, the ugly. He works it all together. Amen. Go with me if you would while you're still standing in your Bibles, Psalms 57 verse number 4. If you don't have your Bibles, that's all right. We'll throw it up on the screen. The kids, you are dismissed to Sunday school this morning. God bless the kids. Amen. As they make their mass exodus. Thankful for our Sunday school teachers and all that they are doing. Amen. Psalms 57 and verse number 4 is where I will turn your attention to. We'll read just a few short verses. reading at verse number four David said I am in the midst of lions I'm forced to dwell among ravenous beasts men whose teeth are spears and arrows whose tongues are sharp swords be exalted O God above the heavens let your glory be over all the earth they spread a net for my feet I was bowed down in distress they dug a pit in my path but they have fallen into it themselves my heart O God is steadfast my heart is steadfast and i will sing and make music amen i want to speak to you just for the next little bit on this title a steadfast heart a steadfast heart lord bless you you may be seated this morning thank you so much praise the lord i'm gonna have to uh uh, schedule a doctor or dentist appointment for all my kids after yesterday my goodness did they rake it in and all the good parents you go through it and you make sure that everything is safe right I think I had a Reese's and a Snickers for breakfast this morning but that's all right <laughs> amen uh, you know growing up um, I, I really enjoyed uh, playing sports uh, really enjoy playing sports and I think it's just really even deeper than that it's just I have a very competitive nature uh, I love to compete and it really doesn't even matter what it is I remember going to the fall picnic uh, out at the Randolph County boy when that was a thing when we used to do fall picnics and stuff like that back in the day 
And uh, I remember we decided we wanted to race up this hill, me, Tomas, and Daniel. And then, I mean, why do we, but we were competitive. We wanted to race up a hill, literally died at the top. Uh, I don't even remember who won. It didn't matter because my lungs lost. And, uh, but I love to compete. It doesn't matter what it is. Still today, no matter what the game is, I love to compete. My, my wife, who is not in here, she gets aggravated at me because of how much I dominate in phase 10. And I mean dominate in phase 10. It's just like, I just have a knack. I'm just like a natural athlete, even in phase 10 and things like that. But, and Easton will get aggravated at me because I'm not going to ever, well, not, I can't say never, but I dominate him in checkers. Like you see that when every time we go on vacation and Cracker Barrel and Mallory takes a picture of us playing checkers outside, just know that yours truly is will come out on top every single time. And you may think, man, Bryce, you are to the extreme. You may need to back off. No, 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 no. I'm teaching my family a very valuable lesson, and I'm setting an example for them that if you're going to do it, do it with all your heart and all your, come on, somebody. <laughs> If you're going to play, play. But, you know, growing up, baseball was my sport. I really enjoyed baseball. Uh, absolutely loved the game. I started in Corey League, 5-6, coach pitch. My dad contested this this morning. I was, I, I was a home run machine. I mean, they just like, it was like, it looked like a giant softball that they were lost. Even though it was a tiny baseball, I just had a knack for hitting home runs. You would think it was Corey League, it's like a short fence, but I was like five or six, you know. But one thing my mom had always promised me is, see, I promise you a cinnamon pancake for every home run that you hit. And I kid you not, I was the home run king that year. And still, I stayed fit. I don't really know how I did that, all that and stuff, like with all those cinnamon pancakes. But uh, they would, uh, I played baseball all the way through my sophomore year of high school. My freshman year, I was able to play a little bit with the varsity team. And I, I just loved the game. But it wasn't until I fell in love with Jesus Christ that he took me on a different direction. Amen. And, uh, and, and that's where I am today. I mean, I could be playing with the Cardinals, but I mean, you know, but no, I'm just kidding. I wasn't anything like that. But I love playing. Playing the game. I love baseball. Uh, football. I tried football. Uh, football was really not, I, I mean, I gave it uh, a, a good effort. I, the coach used to say, man, you have all heart, Jones. Well, that's because that's all I was. Whenever you come in in your freshman year, you're five foot five, 130 pounds. There's really not a whole lot of positions that you can fill. Literally, you cannot fill them because you are too small. Uh, uh, so I, I just remember getting absolutely trucked over by some guys and, uh, and, uh, that were twice my size. I had a good time. I had fun. I just didn't have the size to play football. And so freshman year, it was one and done. And I discovered I'm just going to focus on academics and things like that. <laughs> oh, boy. I wish I could go back to high school and, and really try. I just didn't try. I didn't try. That was, never mind. We're just not even going to go down that road. But I'll tell you another uh, uh, sport that wasn't my sport, and that was track. Anybody run track in here? Track superstars. Brother, Brother Rice was a superstar pole vaulter at 204. But they call it 204 because only 204 kids who ever graduated from 204. <laughs> Oh, man, he was a pole vaulting machine. But, you know, I never really realized how much running was involved in track. That's, that's what you do. 
I mean, and I said this morning, they literally should rename it to running because track is a little more bit deceiving. Like, we, we race track or what are we, what are we doing? Here? No, 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 you run. And I don't know anybody that really enjoys that. There's a video going around on social media where a guy, he's hollering out the window. He's like, ma'am, are you okay? Are you okay? And Oh, you're, you're jogging? Who does that and stuff? Like he was checking to see if he's okay. He was out for a morning run. But that's what you did in track. I mean, it didn't matter if you threw the disc or the shot put. You ran. I don't really know anybody that signs up to run, uh, but apparently me. But it was only for a brief period of time. Track was definitely not for me. Um, and in junior high, I ran the 100-meter hurdles. I just thought that was really cool. And then I ran the uh, mile relay. For those of you who don't know what the mile relay is, is it's a four-person event um, where they, they run a mile, but it's, it's structured in a way that each person runs one lap. One lap equals one mile. And so usually how they set up the team, they set up the team strategically to try to have the fastest uh, group out there and staggered in a way. Usually they will have a pretty fast guy run first. They will have a, a, a pretty fast guy run second. and The slowest guy run third. And the fastest guy run fourth. And I asked the 9 a.m. pop quiz, which, do, which one do you think Bryce ran? Why would you say that? I ran third in that, in that mile relay. Um, now, <laughs> now, thankfully, I didn't know the structure of the team really until years later, else I probably would have been a little bit offended. But I'll admit, I wasn't really the fastest guy. And so, really, I didn't have an argument for how it was set up. I mean, I was kind of sneaky fast. I could run fast in short distances, but, but not long distance uh, running and stuff like that. Like, I could go TP a house and run to my car, and, and I was fast at getting to the car. But if it had to be a marathon, or really, really long, uh, th that just wasn't for me. And I remember one of our track meets, uh, we were over in Nashville, and one of our, one of our guys who ran the 400-meter relay wasn't able to be at the meet. And so I had just finished up a hot dog from the snack stand, and my coach decided that it was going to be, Bryce, you could be the replacement, because if you run in the mile relay, you basically run a 400-meter. And so my coach, who's just brilliant and all this wisdom, just had a knack for talent, she said, you are the perfect replacement to run in the 400-meter event. And so I, I remember that uh, event just kind of because track meets and stuff, to me, you ran a little bit, but it was really about hanging out with friends and stuff like that. Like, it, that was just what you did. But I remember kind of forgetting about the, the running in the 400-meter. And so, again, I had just finished up a hot dog from the snack stand and was sitting in a group with friends when my coach is hollering from the other side of the track that my my race was about to start. And so I picked up and I ran as fast as I could to the starting gate. And I kid you not, as soon as I got to the starting gate, it was like, boom, they fired off the gun and we were off. Can we agree that this race is not off to a good start for Bryce? I'm already out of breath running to the starting gate. Not in the slightest was this often. Now, I did make the first turn pretty good. I was able to hang with the pack, even though it was at the back of the pack. If you ever watch races, nobody really takes off to about that third corner coming around. Then you get the home stretch. Then you really this, this, you separate the men from the boys from right there. And let me tell you, I got separated quickly. But I remember 
And still to this day, there was another guy on our team. His name was Josh. And Josh was running, and I was kind of running with Josh. He was just out ahead of me. And I remember all of a sudden, Josh kind of like looked over his shoulder as he's like running. And he realized it was me. And it's like he looked at me in disgust. Like he was astonished. Like, oh my goodness, am I, and I didn't say this out loud, but I know he was thinking, like, oh my goodness, am I running this slow that Bryce is running with me? And all of a sudden, he like shifted gears along with everybody else, and I was left literally in the dust. I rounded that last turn all by myself, except for one little mosquito that decided to stay back with me and just wanted to finish. But And that's what I was really competing against. I had friends on satellite. I remember I had tears streaming on my face. I'm thinking, I'm such a loser. I'm just going to come in last place. I want to say, this isn't even my event. I'm not even supposed to be here. I'm a fill-in. If you haven't picked up on that. Running, running is not, it's not my sports. It's just not something I do. I don't, I don't really know. I've tried to get into it and just, just to live healthy and, and you go out there and he's like, what am I doing? Like I, I could just listen to music at home. Um, what does this have to do with me spiritually, Bryce? Well, our text this morning is, uh, it's an interesting text. Uh, David is the one who has penned this psalm, as with a lot of the psalms, David uh, has, has written a lot of them. And uh, David writes this psalm, and we, we, like to, we like to turn to psalms whenever we need words of encouragement, and that's all right, and that's great. The, the word, amen, is there for that, and the word is great to, uh, David said, I hid thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. I mean, the word is powerful. And you read a lot of encouraging things, like in our text this morning when David said, My heart, O God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Uh, now, David, David is one of my favorite characters in, in all the Bible, and his story is unbelievable. And I'm sure there are a lot of people here today and maybe tuned in on Facebook that you would say the same thing, that you really can relate to this guy named David. And we, again, we love to read the Psalms, and uh, especially when we're needing a, a, a pick-me-up. I'm sure there are some of you that maybe even have like a Psalm that's maybe on your refrigerator at home that you, every time you walk by it, it reminds you of that God is faithful, that God is good, and, 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 and maybe you have it in a frame that's posted on your wall, and scriptures that we love to quote as reminders and words of inspiration. And more than likely, most of those scriptures that we have posted or maybe as a, 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 a wallpaper on our phone or something, more than likely most of those scriptures that I'm talking about were written by David. David. It, it, I, I said this morning that if People Magazine were a thing back in ancient Israel, for months, literally for months, the cover would be a picture of the giant slayer David. I mean, uh, there were young women that sang about him, that, that he was a national hero, and David was the man that, that people adored and admired. And you, you got to remember, God had already chosen David to follow Saul as the next king of Israel. And David, he, he probably thought uh, uh, about, man, that's going to be a lot of fame. That's going to be a lot of notoriety. Maybe that was all a part of God's plan to elevate me because it all sounded so good and it all looked so perfect that God was doing something incredible. 
But all of a sudden, when you have a, a few spears that are aimed at your head by a jealous king, that seems to change a little bit of everything, doesn't it? Saul's jealous rage has caused him to become obsessed with destroying David. And so the Bible lets us know that David, he didn't stay and fight, but he ran. He ran. He fled. He got up out of there. He was gone. We learn in 1 Samuel 21 that David even fled to his enemies for help. He turned up in Goliath's hometown of Gath, the capital of the Philistines. And after asking to see King Achish, the Philistine king, David realized, he's like, man, I'm getting ready to go to stand before this king. This is probably not such a great idea. And so he presented himself to the king and he pretended to be insane. If you remember the story, he pretended to be a madman, even drooling on his beard so much that the king says, we need to send this guy packing. Let's get him out of here this is a madman and according to the opening sentence of first samuel 22 it says david left gath and escaped to the cave of adullam scholars believe that david spent three to six months living in this muddy dark lonely cave what a low point this must have been for his life especially after after being anointed as the next king prophets that you're going to be the next king of israel you're going to lead us and all of a sudden david is on the run it's not really what he probably had in mind whenever he felt like god was constructing something that just sounded so incredible something's going to bring lots of fame and attention and no doubt elevate me in the kingdom but this was a low point in david's life david was running but unlike my experience in, in in a junior high track meet where I'm running for a prize I'm running to place I'm running for a medal David was running for his life and it was in this cave that David penned the words to Psalms 57 David wrote this psalm from a cave during the time that he was running for his life from King Saul. I don't know about you, but it doesn't seem like the uh, proper setting to be writing such things as my heart is steadfast. It doesn't seem like the time nor the place to speak of your heart being fixed, to speak of your heart being settled, especially while he was living in a cave where he didn't even have a home. There was no stability. There was no security. There was nothing of that nature to even speak of. Yet David, in the midst of all of that, he says, my heart, O oh God, is steadfast. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make music. Now, steadfast, that's, I'm, I'm just going to take a venture here and just say that's probably not a word that you would probably you use in your everyday life. Here's what, it, here's what it is. The word steadfast in the original Hebrew has deep roots with strong foundations. It means to be fixed, to be firm, to be stable, secure, and settled. 
you picture the word picture I, I, I want to share with you is picture a, a, a giant boulder that over the course of time ha- has fallen and it has shifted and it has sunken into place. Uh, we went on a hike to Giant City State Park not too long ago, took the boys over there. It's a, it's a beautiful place, and it's, a, it's only a mile-long hike, which is right up my alley. And so we got the boys out of there, and, and, and uh, I remember going there as a kid as, as a, with the youth group. Travis Lipe was my youth pastor, and he would take us to Giant City State Park, and, and uh, we, were, we were the noisy group uh, that had the guitar, and we were just coming up with our like, own blues and stuff like that. Literally had a guy come over. And he says, hey, I've got some kids that are like, uh, what was the, uh, the Boy Scouts? He's like, they're trying to sleep over here. We got to get up early. Can you guys keep it down? He thought we were a bunch of college kids. No, we're, we're kids too, man. We're just out here trying to sing some blues right by the fire. Um, <laughs> my, my. But it was the same trail, you know, same place that we went to. So we took the boys there and for those of you who know what, where this is at and you've been there, you've probably heard of Fat Man Squeeze. Anybody heard of Fat Man Squeeze? Anybody been through Fat Man Squeeze? Yes! Sweet! Awesome. It's closed today, so I don't recommend driving there after church today as exhilarating as it sounds, but it's, it's rightfully closed because I'm sure there's some major park violations that were going on uh, with Fat Man Squeeze. L- l- so basically what it is, it is what it sounds like. <laughs> okay. It is a it is a space between two giant boulders um, that you have to literally turn your body sideways and you have to shimmy up and you're going up uh, you're you're going up an incline and you're probably going up about 20 feet, 25 feet and then you make a turn and you go up another 10 to 15 feet. And I mean it is a squeeze. That's why they call it this. I mean literally you get there's no way you're walking up like this. If you're walking up that you need to seek medical attention because there is no way. No way. And, and the more you go up, the tighter that it gets. And I, and then literally when you turn sideways, I'm not lying, you get in this thing, your chest and your back are up against the boulders, all right? And you are literally scraping your shirt away. I mean, thankfully that never happened, but I mean, that is what it is. You are squeezing yourself all the way to the top. There's pressure on your chest. There's pressure on your back. I mean, my heart literally gets to racing. The older I get, the more claustrophobic I get. Is that a thing? I don't really know. It is a thing. I I mean, the older I get, the more claustrophobic and scared of heights I get. I don't really know what it is, but I, I, I remember... Uh, so I have, I, I made it through the squeeze one time and it literally, I've also failed at it also. And, and it's an embarrassing when you fail because literally there's probably 10 people behind you that you have to say, uh, guys, we all need to go back down. <laughs> like, and I have been that guy. <laughs> I don't tell you. Oh man. I remember one time we took a guy there and he was, uh, he was attempting to get through. He was about six foot five, which was not, it's not an ideal height, all right, for trying to make it all the way through. Because again, the closer you get to the top, the tighter that the ceiling comes down on you. 
And I remember him being all the way at the end, and we were, we were all waiting at the top. We're like, oh, man, you're going to make it. This is awesome. This is incredible. And you could see him trying to pull through the last part, and he was trying to. He was stuck at the end, and I kid you not. Literally, you're going to have to see a doctor whenever you make it out because your body, I'm telling you, your spinal cord is in jeopardy whenever you're coming out of this thing. And, unless you're in purposeful physical specimen and all that stuff but this I mean he's six foot five and he's like at the end and he's trying to push up on the ceiling and he's like guys can you just move this just just a little bit to which we responded dude that is a boulder like it's it's not moving all right, there's nothing that I don't care if we had a truck in here. We're not hooking a chain to it and moving, but he wanted us to move it. We're like, that's not moving. That's, that's the word picture that I want you to see whenever you think and hear the word steadfast, all right? That's what we're talking about. It's something that is sunken into place that you can try your best to move it. You can try your best to budget, and it, but it's not going anywhere. It's like a 30-foot deep foundation where the greatest winds and the greatest rain can't even touch it. So in day David's time of uncertainty while he was on the run. No home, no security. He's alone in a cave. He makes a bold declaration and he says, my heart, oh God, is steadfast. You know, in this day and hour that we live in, this season that we're in, sometimes it feels a little bit like a cave. Sometimes it feels like we're on the run. We have days where we have brief moments of uncertainty and insecurity. And at times we feel like we're all by ourselves. But when you have a relationship and you know that he's God, you can make the same declaration. My heart, oh God, is steadfast. Come on, clap your hands unto the Lord today. I'm thankful that knowing him, I can make a declaration like that. Do we understand everything that's going on? Nope. Do we know what's around the corner? Nope. Do we know what's going to happen? Not a chance. But you know what? You don't have to know those things in order to have a steadfast heart. You don't have to know what's around the corner. You just need to know who's around the corner. His word says, be still and know that I am God. Come on, clap your hands one more time and give him a shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus. And, and, And I'm not talking about... I'm not talking about how you feel, all right? I'm not talking about how you feel. I'm sure we all woke up this morning and we could think of something that's going to make us feel uncertain. Something that's going to make us feel insecure. I'm not talking about feelings. When you skim through the book of Psalms, you'll see that David's feelings are, are anything but steadfast. All right? That's one reason why so many people can connect with David is because David doesn't really hide anything. It's one thing I appreciate about, appreciate about David. He doesn't really try to hide anything. He doesn't hide. David is always honest about his emotions to God. In just a few verses, I'm telling you, you can read, as a matter of fact, it's in our text this morning, you can read that he can go from sadness to celebration. He can go from fear to faith. He can go from loathing to love in just a moment. 
Anyone ever feel like their emotions are just all over the place? Like somebody took your emotions, threw them up in a whirlwind, and they're just all scattered all over the place. With Bennett, Bennett, sometimes he'll be in a mood, man, and he'll just, some, the slightest thing will break his heart, and he's just like, man, I just need to cry. And so he's over there crying and out, and we'll try to do something funny, and he's in the middle of crying. He's like, <laughs> he's, cr- he's crying and smiling and laughing and then crying and then back and forth. He's all over the place. He'll go back and forth. That's David. So when David says that his, his, his heart is steadfast, hear me this morning. I don't believe that he's talking about a feeling here. I think he's telling God about a decision that he has made deep within himself. He's essentially saying, God, no matter how I feel, And no matter what's going on around me, I've chosen to love you. And that's why I can say my heart is steadfast. I I, I know too many people whose hearts, whose life is anything but steadfast. And and there's no no stability whatsoever. There's no security. They, 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 They look and act one way on Monday and a completely different way by Tuesday. They're all over the place. And let me tell you, I don't believe that it's because people don't want it. I don't think that it's not that they don't want security. It's not that they don't want. That's exactly what they're looking for. They're looking for stability in their life. They want stability in their life. It's not that they don't want it. I think they just don't understand how stability, how a steadfast heart happens. I don't think they quite get it. You know, broccoli is not my favorite vegetable. It's not. I know that's shocking because I'm sure it's a lot of people's favorite vegetable. But it's not like we always just like, oh, man. Hey, you want to go to this restaurant? They have really good broccoli. Nobody's doing that. <laughs> Not like, yo, man, you, you've got to try the broccoli. <laughs> Let me tell you about this. I'm telling you, if broccoli is that good and it's that I will go and try it. I promise you. But that, I've never met a broccoli like that. Never. Not one time. And, and so, but broccoli, it isn't, it isn't the first pick, not just for me, but for anyone. I'm not a big broccoli person like at all. And, but it wasn't until here recently that I actually started eating it and started enjoying it. And I'm like, ah, oh, make an investment in my health. This is good. I'll just put a bunch in my mouth and I'll just chew it up real good. But Mallory makes it in such a way, it's probably fantastic, or it is fantastic, but it's probably, is it healthy? It's healthy. I trust you. But you know, <laughs> Hey, and I'm not talking about where you dump a liter of cheese over the top of it either. Some of you and your broccoli and cheese, I see you. (laughs) You're like, oh, man, I love broccoli and cheese. No, you love cheese. (laughs) But, But here's what I appreciate about broccoli. It is what it is. You, you know what you're going to get. You, you, it's not like it's going to, it doesn't, it doesn't change. It, it is what it is. It's always consistent and it's good for you. And some people, they kind of look at that as being boring. Oh, that's boring and stuff like that. Can I tell you, when it comes to our spiritual life and the things, there, there's probably not going to be all of these just exciting things that take place. Can I tell you this morning that being faithful to the house of God is not boring. Amen. It's not old fashioned and it's not out outdated coming together and worshiping the king of kings it's not outdated 
It's not boring. But it's good for you. And it's always good for you. Hear me today. What you do every day matters more than what you do greatly on occasion. What you do every day matters more than what you do greatly on occasion. And we've got too many people that are trying to survive spiritually by being weekend warriors. But let me tell you, those who have a steadfast heart are the ones who have already settled the matter. It's not a decision that's made on Sunday that gets disregarded on Monday. But it's day in, day out, every day. God only. Jesus is everything. He's the King of kings. It's people that have chosen to love God above everything else. Where you get to the place where the psalmist says, He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. It's people that have chosen to be faithful. They've made up in their mind. There's no debate. There's no argument. Jesus isn't just King of kings, but He's the King of me. He's my King. He's my Savior. That's the reason. That's how. We can make a bold declaration. David said this as our music comes. David said, God, no matter how I feel, no matter what's happening around me, I've already settled it in my heart. I've already made up my mind. My heart, oh God, is steadfast. I love that David repeats it. My heart is steadfast. And in the next breath, he says this. I will sing and make music. I w- now, now, you can't miss this. this. This lets us know something very important. Being steadfast in God is not so much about gritting your teeth and trying to love him harder. So many times we, we, we convince ourselves that that's what it is. That, well, we got to be steadfast. And so i gotta, I got to bear down. And i gotta, I gotta try, I got to try harder. And, and sometimes whenever we do that, we overcomplicate it. We make it into something that it's really, really not. We think it's about gritting teeth and trying harder. But being steadfast. It's more like singing a song. It's less like the furled brow and more like just a big smile. Church, it's a a decision to rest in God and find joy in Him in every circumstance. I don't know about you, but I would definitely like to know the, the David's secret to finding the joy. How did he do it? How do you find joy in every circumstance? This man who's on the run, he's living in a cave. Well, he gives us the answer in in the next few verses. Verse number nine, he says, I will praise you, Lord, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. Why? For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies 
Where did David's steadfast heart come from? Where did a, a, a man who was on the run, running for his life alone in a cave, and the last thing that you would ever expect to come from his lips is a song about a steadfast heart. Where did it come from? David's steadfast heart came from God's steadfast love. He took joy in God because God had already taken joy in him. And he learned to rest in this even while hiding in a cave. Friend, can I tell you, this is a secret to the Christian walk. This is a secret to the Christian journey. It's a secret. So many times, as you stand with me this morning, would you do that? Again, we're looking for security. It's not that people don't want it. We're all looking for it. We're looking for security. We're looking for stability, something that's firm and stable and fixed and steadfast. We're hungry for it. We're desperate. We need it in our lives. I say even those who are not believers are looking for something that is firm, something that is stable. Let me tell you this this morning. Our settled security does not come from our 401ks or the stock market. Our settled security does not come because of who is president or who is not president. But our settled security comes from nothing else besides God and Him alone. comes when we continue to hold on to the one whose hand is steadfast to the one who is unmovable unshakable his settled a stable steadfast heart comes when we have settled the matter I ask you today and I would just ask, would you ask yourself as they begin to play and sing would you bow your head close your eyes in this place would you just ask yourself and is my heart steadfast is it stable? Is it fixed? Or am I constantly being shaken by everything that's going on around me? Am I constantly just all over the place, tossed and turned? I would just ask you, would you just be real honest with yourself in this place? Thank you for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church Podcast. You can follow this podcast for more great episodes from the Landmark family. Thank you once again for listening to the Landmark Apostolic Church's podcast. God bless.